0: Hello, welcome to another story about the Peters family. The name of this week's story is The Peters' Motives and Kiana's Manipulation, Part One. It's a bit shorter than our average story, but there are two parts. So if you'll come back in two weeks, you'll hear the conclusion. We're taking the Labor Day weekend off since many in our family will be on their last camping getaway for the year. As always, we've included a line from a hymn or a hymn title within the story. If you recognize it, send your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. If yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize. And for the second week in a row, we didn't have a winner last week. The answer was Count Your Blessings, From the Story, Pearson's Loyalty, and Swim Test Failure. And last week, we didn't have a winner, but I neglected to mention the name of the hymn from the story Penelope Learns Diligence Part 2. The name of that hymn was I Need Thee Every Hour. Now, let's get to this week's story, shall we? The Peters' Motives and Keana's Manipulation, Part 1 This place is not clean. Penelope, I told you to dust and look, and I see layers of dust on the credenza. And Pearson, didn't I ask you to vacuum? Why do I see crumbs all over the rug? "'Guys, this is disappointing,' Mama Peters admonished Pearson and Penelope, who were slightly distracted by their ongoing game of 500 to want to really clean the house. "'Sorry, Mama Peters,' Penelope said half-heartedly as she put down a high-scoring lay of three twos. "'Look at that, Pearson. Seventy-five points right there. Count them up!' "'No way!' Pearson responded. "'Oh, boy. That does it. I'm taking the cards.' Mama Peters swiped all of the cards from the table. Mama Peters! I, I was on the verge of winning that game, though! Penelope was quite disappointed. I understand, Penelope, and it isn't fun to have our games disrupted, but neither one of you is listening very well. I want this living room clean. You have had tons of fun all summer long, and I'm happy about that. I also understand trying to eke out the rest of the summer before school starts in a couple of weeks. But neither one of you put much effort into the chores. You've been camping this summer, you went to parkour camp, and it's just been one thing after another. But when I ask you to complete chores, my expectation is that you actually complete the chores. Okay, Mama Peters, I really am sorry. Please forgive me. Penelope was sincere. Me too, Mama Peters. We'll get to work, Pearson added. Great. So, do the dusting and vacuuming, and then I want you to come and help me with lunch. Mama Peters was firm. So, Penelope and Pearson immediately got to work, though they were truly really sorry about their lack of effort earlier. They still lacked umph in their cleaning. They didn't apply much elbow grease. Penelope pulled the rag slowly across the surface of the condensa, daydreaming and admiring the tracks she laid in the dust. She quietly raced her fingers through the dust, imagining it to be a racetrack. Her index finger was the victor. Yeah, you did it, she whispered to her finger, which was jumping up and down on the track. In the meantime, Pearson was vacuuming, if you could call it vacuuming, because he was vacuuming the same line over and over. He was fascinated by the color changes in the pile. As he vacuumed forward, the color was dark, and when he pulled the vacuum back, The color was lighter. It almost had the same effect as watching flip sequins change. And just about everyone knows how fun flip sequins are. He got so lost in pushing and pulling the vacuum in a single track that the rest of the floor went unvacuumed. After more than 20 minutes, and when Mama Peters came back into the room to check their work, Penelope and Pearson had to confess that they'd lost track of time. Penelope and Pearson! This is taking entirely too long. Your living room chores should have been done, but now you're cutting into time that I needed you to help me prep food for lunch and dinner. This is not good. Both Pearson and Penelope apologized and offered the lame excuse of, Well, I just got distracted, Mama Peters. They didn't say it in a haughty, arrogant way. But they weren't really genuine either. Okay, well, please work hard and finish your jobs, Mama Peters responded. I don't want to check again to find that you haven't finished. We have a little girl coming to stay with us this afternoon. She's from the safe fostering program at church. Her mom has surgery scheduled for this evening, so this little girl needs a place to stay for the night. Wait, what? You didn't tell us. How old is she? Why didn't you tell us? Penelope's voice had changed from one of nonchalance to one of excitement. Well, I was going to surprise you, Pen. She's your age. Her name is Kiana. Well, how long do we have her with us? Pearson wondered. Till tomorrow evening. She'll be with us until just before dinner, and then she'll go home, if all goes according to plan. Penelope couldn't hide her excitement. Yay! I can't wait till she gets here. I've got, I'm, I'm going to plan all kinds of good things for us, and, and for, well, maybe, we'll make, maybe teacher play play 500, and we'll play with the Little Miss Molly dolls. I've got all kinds of plans going on. Oh, and one more thing. Mama Pearson began to speak again. She's got a brother who is coming, too, and he's six. "'Ah, boy! Yes!' Pearson yelled. "'What's his name, Mama Peters?' "'I couldn't pronounce his name, Pearson, but they call him Little. "'So Kiana and Little are coming to stay with us just for a night. "'So I really need you guys to help me prepare for our company. "'Little will sleep on your bed, Pearson, "'and Kiana will sleep on the trundle in the girls' room.' "'Yes!' Pearson and Penelope shouted in unison. "'Okay, then. Now let's get to work.' This time, Mama Peters didn't have to say it twice. Pearson and Penelope suddenly had pep in their steps and were so focused on their chores that they had completed them perfectly within minutes. Pearson moved the coffee table and vacuumed where it had been. Replacing it, he moved the couches, an extra step that he didn't always take, and vacuumed where they had been. He carefully vacuumed under the rocking chair and finished by moving the end tables and vacuuming where they had stood. Replacing all of the furniture, he surveyed his work and nodded in satisfaction. There was not one crumb to be seen. He had gotten everything. Penelope was doing the same with her dusting. She removed all of the books from the credenza and dusted the surface and each one of the books. She moved the decorative baskets and dusted under them, shaking them out before giving them a quick dust. She dusted the framed pictures of the four children and cleaned the cake candle and the cake candle stand. She cleaned the elephant-shaped bookends that Mama Peters had gotten from a missionary in South Africa. When she finished, she stepped back to admire her work, then walked into the kitchen where Mama Peters awaited their help. Holding out a peeler to Penelope, Mama Peters handed her cucumbers and signaled to her to peel it into the trash. She handed Pearson the colander and the rest of the veggies to clean for the salad. When they had gotten their work done in a jiffy, both of them asked Mama Peters what else they could do. Wow, you guys really kicked it into high gear. I want you to go upstairs and clean the bathrooms, and then that's it. You've done a good job. However, there is something I'd like to speak to you about. Mama Peters was gentle in her approach. She pointed Pearson and Penelope to sit down at the dining table. Yes, Mama Peters? Both Pearson and Penelope were quite curious. Here's my concern, Mama Peters began. At the beginning, when I originally asked you to do the chores, you weren't on top of them and you didn't do a good job. And then when I reminded you to do better, and you apologized, you still didn't do a great job. And it was only after I came in and told you about Kiana and Little coming to spend the night with us that you began to work hard. It's obvious that you are both capable of doing well because your tasks have been done quickly and efficiently. You want to explain what happened here? Um, I I think I got excited that they're coming, Mama Peters, and and I I, I know it has to be cleaned before they come. Penelope offered a suggestion. And you, Pearson? Mama Peters queried her only son. I think the same as Nellie, Mama Peters. I, I think I just got super excited, and so I powered through my chores. Mama Peters looked thoughtful. Well, that makes perfect sense. But let's talk about why that's not right. You only cleaned properly when you had motivation. You didn't have a reason in your mind to clean well until you learned about our visitors. Can you think of a Bible verse that speaks about motivation? What do you mean? Mama Peters? Pearson looked puzzled. Neither one of them could think of an answer. While well, the Bible talks about our motivation for all things in life, people are often motivated by so many different things. For instance, they can be motivated to provide for their families, or to make someone proud of them, or to accomplish something. And whenever you pursue something that you think is noble or grandiose, then you think your motivation is just fine. However, You need to remember that your motivation is always subject to God's examination. Your motivation should never be self-centered, but always God-centered. Remember, and I know you both know this verse, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says that the Lord looks at the heart. I'm thinking of another verse, Proverbs 16, 2, that also speaks to us about our motivation. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. And of course, one of my favorite verses to remind us of our ways is in Jeremiah 17. It says that the Lord searches the heart and tests the mind and gives each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Because the Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked above all else, remember that everything we do, we need to do because of our call in Christ Jesus, according to Philippians 3.14 and what is the verse we say before we do almost anything pearson and penelope practically shouted their answer colossians 3:23 and 24 whatever you do work at it with all of your heart as working for the lord not for men for you know you'll receive an inheritance as a reward is it the lord christ you're serving mama peter's laughed <laughs> well despite the speed and the fact that i could barely understand you exactly we don't do things because of how it'll make us look or because of who we will please or what we can accomplish. All those reasons are selfish gain. Philippians warns us not to do things for selfish gain. Rather, we do all we do, but you didn't remember that today. You only began to work hard after you heard about Kiana and Little coming to see us. You made an unconscious decision that that reason was worthy for you to work hard. You didn't remember that God is always the worthy reason for all we do. That makes sense, Mama Peters. I I didn't feel very motivated, Penelope confessed. I get it, Pen. And the world puts a lot of stock in motivation. I hear moms all the time telling me that they have a hard time getting their kids to be motivated or that they're bored, so they try various tips and tricks. But that kind of motivation will never last. It must be the motivation of the heart, the invisible motivation of pleasing God alone. Does that make sense? Certainly there are earthly rewards, but those pale in comparison to serving God and understanding that your reward will be in heaven where Christ is. Thanks, Mama Peters. That is a good reminder. Jewels in heaven, right? Pearson added sweetly. Exactly. Now get going on those bathrooms. Our visitors will be here before you know it. But don't do it for that reason. Do it because you love God and you desire to obey him by obeying me. Mama Peters winked. But also, here, throw on a few hymns on the speakers. But instead of whistling as you work, worship as you work. Or you could whistle and worship too. Mama Peters hugged both Pearson and Penelope. Pearson walked over to the kitchen counter where the device sat and turned it on. He chose to play hymns for the family of God. And a moment later, the hymn when the roll is called up yonder, blared throughout the house. He and Penelope dashed upstairs, and with hearts full of joy, they cleaned the bathrooms with zest, even the yucky toilet grime. This is Grandmom's Corner. So how about you? Do you have difficulties working hard at times? Obedience can be hard, and there are times when what we do seems so meaningless and without purpose. For example, I am not a fan of unloading the dishwasher, so I'll find myself inwardly complaining and having to confess it to God again and again. One time, I decided to time myself to see how long it took to unload the dishwasher. Do you know it took me less than five minutes? And yet, for something that was less than five minutes, I disobeyed God by complaining and griping, and I was terribly convicted about it. So I try to remind myself that I'm doing this for the Lord and I need to work hard and it's not even a hard job. When we do things for God, it makes a difference in our attitude. And even the most minute chore or the simplest act of service to one can be an act of worship to God. In Matthew 10 42, Jesus says that even a simple thing like giving someone a drink of water out of compassion and kindness, your tiniest service like making your bed because your mom requires it, and doing your best at it is being obedient to God. And God sees your act of service to Him because when you obey your parents, you obey God. Many years ago, when our kids were young and my husband was trying to finish college, while trying to support our family, he worked at a store. He worked horrible hours so he could be home as much as possible. Our house was small, but we didn't care because we loved having a big family. And that was more important to us than having a huge house. Besides, we couldn't have afforded a huge house. My husband and I slept in the living room, and my husband slept on the floor. He gives up himself on a continuum. Anyway, working for a store wasn't something he wanted to do for the rest of his life. He wanted to be a teacher. But we didn't know how to juggle having lots of kids. And in order to get a teaching job, he would have to student-teach first, which meant no pay. So it was a conundrum, and at times he felt stuck. But the point is, even though he wanted to do something else, and even though he felt the job he was doing was a lowly one, and not using his God-given gifts in the best way, he still worked hard and did his best. And he would often tell our kids that on those days that the job felt humdrum, and that sometimes he felt stuck, he could work hard even in a job he didn't like, because he always remembered that God was his boss and that he was working for God. That was his motivation. If you've been listening to our podcast for any length of time, you know my husband has now been teaching for decades, so God opened the door for him. But he was faithful to God no matter how small the job was. Our desire as people who know and love the Lord should be to please God above everything else as it says in Colossians 1:10, that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God now before we go I've asked one of my sons-in-law to play when the role is called to ponder our hymn for this week on his trumpet so listen as he plays Lord willing. We'll be back in two weeks on September 12th with part two of this week's story. Bye for now.